Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Winding down the week. Hope it's been a good one. If not, still got time to make it better, right? We're focusing on some joy and pleasure and self-care today and every single day. Figure out how you can rest more this weekend. Usually, a lot of it's technology-based. Turn the computer and the, and the phone off. Stick it in a drawer. Take hours away. If you can, take a full day away. I've been trying to take the entire weekend as much as possible away from technology. I don't need to be reached. There's nothing I need to do. I need to be doing whatever I have on my schedule for myself, but really trying to just have fun and rest over the weekend. You know, our work weeks are so full of so much that we get to have time off. I mean, two days off is not a true work-life balance, right? It's very much imbalanced. But as we're working on shortening the work days and the work week, which is physical health and about mental health, we'll get there. We're seeing it happen in a lot of other countries. America, of course, will battle that, whereas capitalist is all out. But we're going to get there. But you deserve to have your weekends off, disconnected, unavailable, resting, finding joy and pleasure, connecting to purpose and meaning in your life. So definitely, definitely center that. A lot of good stuff I saw on the news. So I want to bring some of the things up around our typical love line topics. New BBC show. Um, British Broadcasting Company. Got some great stuff. There's a new show. They're teaching children about perfect families. Um, trying to normalize some family stuff. Um, haven't watched any of these things, but one of them involves two moms. And I love that because two moms is a beautiful, perfect family, right? There's solo parenting. There's family parenting where maybe it's an aunt raising a child. Uh, sometimes it's two dads, two moms. We have poly couples where sometimes it's two moms and two dads, like two different or multiple married couples, all different kinds of configurations. But I love this. The show is called our family. And it features a same-sex parent family for the first time, teaching kids about love and beauty of LGBTQIA families, which again, research shows not only do well, they do better than heterosexually raised children in certain attributes like intelligence, uh, emotional intelligence, empathy, social skills, communication, more honesty, better emotional regulation, um, and that's why I love the idea of queering families, bringing in queer values to families, whether they're gay or not, right? Queerness is actually not about gay. Queerness is an academic theory. It's a, it's a, it's a politic. It's about stepping outside of normality and finding the beauty in the non-normative and stepping away from toxic forms of tradition. Queerness can be gay or straight. You queer straightness, you queer gayness. It's a qualifier. It's a verb. It's a philosophy. It's a perspective. I know it's often associated with the gay community, but 
um, it's now an academic area of study and a philosophy, and it very much steps outside of sexual orientation completely. Um, so that's the, that's the way I mean it when I say queer something. Also, good news. This is kind of like, I was a little shocked by this. Manhattan, Manhattan DA, uh, the district attorney of Manhattan, will no longer charge sex workers. So on one front, that's beautiful. Sex work is real work. Um, it's consensual adult relationships. That's what we're talking about. We're absolutely not talking about sex trafficking. That is not sex work. That is violence and oppression and something else. Um, so that's good. And then on the front end, adults get to decide if they do with their body. All of our jobs are body labor. There's not one job you can come up with that doesn't involve you selling your body. If you're sitting in an office, you're selling your body. If you're a barista, you're selling your body. If you're an athlete, you're selling your body. If you're a dancer, you're selling your body. As a therapist, I'm selling my body. I'm selling my nervous system and my emotional, interpersonal, neurobiological system. 100%. All jobs require us giving our bodies over right? Sex work should no be different. It should not be any difference. No more demeaning. But the problem with the new law, or I'm sorry, the problem with them decriminalizing that is they still want to criminalize and penalize the client, which still leads sex work underground and into dangerous situations. So it's a step forward, but it's not a complete fix or resolution. So we still got to do better. Um, finally, I want to just talk about, um, this piece about pediatricians are stepping in because there's a lot of states, I'm looking at you, Florida, a couple other places that are trying to criminalize people getting affirmative trans healthcare. And they're trying to say, even if a family member, a parent takes their child to get trans healthcare, that that could be made illegal. So pediatricians, the actual experts, that it should not be politicians making these decisions, but alas, it is. They're saying that puberty blockers for trans kids are life-saving. That's also what trans individuals themselves are telling us. And the community that someone is trying to pass a law around, the community itself should determine that. They should tell you what they need. A non-trans politician should not be making determinants on trans health. Doctors and trans individuals should. And they will all tell you confidently that puberty blockers have saved them. They're all talking about this, right? that this is part of mental health, this saves lives. They're well-studied, they're safe, and they're completely reversible. And what they do is they give people the ability, these individuals, to take time to explore who they are. It blocks it, it's an option. They put, they're a pause button on physical changes caused by puberty, which often lead to really problematic mental health issues. They're well-studied, safe, reversible. If a person stops taking these hormone blockers, their body will resume going through puberty, whatever. Here's a quote. Blockers give people time to further explore gender and to develop social supports. Studies demonstrate that hormone blockers reduce depression, anxiety, and risk of suicide among transgender youth. Why would you want to say, good to know, I don't care, I'm gonna make it illegal anyway? What is that rooted in? I'll tell you what, rooted in transphobia and trans violence. And these cis hetero uh, politicians being bigots. You know, we gotta do better. People's lives are on the line, literally right? All right, y'all, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we're going to be talking about this magical thing called the five to one ratio. Yep. Stick around. It's going to save your relationship. And then of course we'll be doing some DMS and then closing out the show talking about bump it a bomb cheating. Ah, uh, yeah. Stick around. Listen to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back doing a little couples therapy relational talk. Again, this applies to every single relationship you're in. You know, we're going to enter through the uh, romantic perspective, but uh, there's this really beautiful metaphor framework, uh, the five to one ratio. Yes. 
It will change the way you look at conflict, as they say. It's pretty simple, difficult to employ. I think it can be a game changer. We do this sometimes in my office. So basically, conflict conversations, right, that are successful for couples have five seconds of time together in a positive or neutral emotional state for every one second in negative emotional state. So five positive to one negative. Five seconds to one second, five hours to one hour, five experiences to one experience. But that's a no-brainer. Five to one is heavily imbalanced, but it should be. Again, just because you think someone's hot, just because you are love, in love with someone doesn't mean you're compatible. Compatibility is what happens when our relationships, I'm sorry, compatibility is what happens when our personalities come together. And all the attraction and love in the world doesn't necessarily make what that is when they come together doable, sustainable, or healthy. It's unfortunate. But work on that. Build in the five to one. Give yourself the best chance. If you had a really crappy day, give yourself five great days. If you had a bad hour, build in five great hours because the relationship should be a positive influence and impact. Neutral but they shouldn't be negative. No relationship that has a negative or toxic impact on you should be, should be something you stay in. I don't care if it's with your family members, your kids, your loved one, your husband, that's not what it's about. We have to work on it, we have to work on ourselves, but it shouldn't take a lot of work. That's a sign it's not compatible. I have to tell clients that. You guys are not compatible, as evidenced by everything. You guys are always making each other miserable, you make each other's lives hard. We should make people's lives better because we're in them. So start there, if nothing else. What impact do you have on the people whose lives you are a part of? I don't care what they're doing. I want to I want to I want you to assess yourself first. And if it's not good, work on it. But what do we do if we're in a system? We work on the 5 to 1. Add it up. Track it. But carry that notion right? Because again, relationships should make our lives bigger, better, happier. They shouldn't make our lives harder, right? So we're going to talk about some of the other pieces to consider and that swim in that, but really apply that, right? Take a day, take a week, take a month. It depends on how much conflict's in your relationship. For some people, there's so much that they just work on this and or, or track a day, they'll learn a lot. For others, it's not as common. They need to give it a full week to track this. And for others, maybe it's so rare that they'll say, let me look at this over the course of a month, thereby realizing maybe I don't even need to really pay attention to this. But track it. Do we have five to one? Can I can I implement that? And anytime you have conflict, pay attention to what the quantification of that is and say, now I need to swoop in with the opposite. That's also just part of showing that you can be a good partner, work on healing and repair. So what are some of the things we can add in to try to bump it up? Show appreciation. Tell your partner things you appreciate about them every day but especially in response to that difficult minute, hour, or day. You have to swoop in and say, hey, that was a really hard hour, or that was a really hard day yesterday. I wanted to also now take some time to let you know all the things I do care about or love about you or appreciate about you. And if you can't do that or won't do that, ask yourself why. Is that too vulnerable? Are you too invested in this not working or not liking your partner? Like, what is that about? Do you maybe secretly not want improvement or change? Then show affection. Hold hands, kiss, have sex, leave notes, give gifts, send cute pictures, play their theme song or your favorite couple song, whatever it is. Notice how these are simple. These are free. Be an active listener. Actually listen when they're sharing. Don't respond. Don't challenge. Just listen with curiosity. Also, acts of service. Do something sweet or kind for them. 
These are ways we balance out whatever we've done that was negative or conflictual, right? We're going to show appreciation. We're going to show affection. We're going to be present and listen. We're going to do some acts of service. Show them that you care about them and you're thinking about them. This is what we call doing the repair. We always have to be willing to do the repair regardless of who started it. It doesn't matter. Who started it is for five-year-olds. When you're an adult, you think larger than that. And you say, whether or not I started it, I'm responsible for the health of this relationship and I will always work to do the repair. But you also can talk to your partner about that. I need us both to be in this. And this is where adult conversations come in. Letting your partner know we both have to be a part of doing this five to one. We both have to be willing to do the repair. We're, we're not five anymore. It doesn't matter about fair is fair. We're both responsible for the quality and health of this relationship. Have fun together. Go do something exciting, whatever that is. If you don't know what that is, you have a bigger problem. You need to work on figuring out what do we like to do as a couple. When they reach out to connect with you, be open and available in some way to something. Be empathetic. Notice again, these are simple. Notice again, these are easy. Notice again that these are very accessible. But if you're not willing to step in and do this work, you have to ask yourself why. And you have to ask your partner why. It looks as though we're unwilling to do this. What's, what is getting in the way? Our ego? Grow up. Our, we, we actually have resentment for each other. Time to get out of the relationship then. It's gone too far and it's too toxic. Is it too vulnerable? Great, let's work on it. Let's get into some therapy and learn how to be able to celebrate the positive. Right? But again, it should make our life better. Be aware of these things. Track it for the day. Track it for the week. What is the percentage of good to bad? It might horrify you. Good, it should. Use that to motivate you. Share it with your partner. Maybe it'll make you happy and you'll be proud to realize, oh, we're far better about this than I thought we were. Great, congratulations. You know, but this is where the work is. Um, be willing to do that. When we come back though, in the next segment, I wanna talk about some examples of interactions that could result in a negative state because I don't know that everyone even realizes some of the things that are negative are because we've really normalized that relationships are a lot of work. No, they're not. They're work, but they're not a lot of work. That's a sign you're not doing the work actually or that you're not compatible, right? People have normalized difficulties and toxicity that shouldn't be there. I wrote an article on the toxic forms of monogamy. Go on my social media or my Medium page where I put all my articles, Medium, Google Medium, and Chris Donahue, and it'll pop up. So we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the negative things to be aware of, all right? You're listening to Loveline, Dr. Chris, on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back. Talking about relationships. We're entering through the point of... Uh, or the entryway of romantic relationships, talking about how there should be a five to one at least. And we're saying track it for a day, track it for a month, track it for a week, whatever it is. But what is the percentage of negative to positive? Be horrified. We shouldn't, we don't get into relationships, make our, make our life smaller, harder, more difficult. And look at what the ratio is, positive to negative, interactions, feelings, right? Behaviors. And we want at least five to one, five positive for every negative, build it in. When something negative is occurring, was it a negative moment, a negative hour, a negative day? Bam, you got to build in the opposite. Five days of feeling good. I say it to some couples. Between now and next session, a week from now, show yourselves you can have at least one week where things go well and you do the repair. And if you can't, we have to talk about maybe getting out of this relationship. If you can't even pull off a good week, we've got a lot of couples work to do, but it's on them. Therapy is 20% in the office, 80% what you go and do with all that information. And that's where we really show what we're po what's possible, what we're capable of. We show ourselves, the marriage, and, and our partner. No one should stick around if you can't pull off one good week when you're really trying hard. Seriously. 
So let's talk about some of the negative things, because again, some of these have been normalized. Some of these are things that people are a little too comfortable and familiar with. We talked about some of the positive things that you can use to build in, right? Show validation, do some fun things together, make bids for closeness and affection, reach out, be empathetic, tell your partner what you love about them, do some acts of service for them, be appreciative, be affectionate. Okay, that's the positive, all free, all easy, all accessible. Again, if you're not willing to do it, Ask yourselves why, what is that about? Because they have a deeper issue. Why am I unwilling to help repair this? Why am I unwilling to, because again, I said, kids are fair as fair. You started, it's your problem. As adults, we are responsible, both of us, for the relationship, regardless of who started it, right? So what's the negative? Well, negative is first off, if someone's feeling overwhelmed, we call a timeout. We don't just push through, we go to bed angry. We absolutely do. We don't stay up all night battling, saying things we can't take back, injuring each other. You gotta learn how to go to bed angry sometimes. You need to learn how to do timeouts. If you're flooded or your partner's getting flooded or overwhelmed, one or both of you need to say, let's come back to this. Sometimes we circle back over and over and we slowly chisel away at it, but we don't just battle it for the sake of getting through it. Raising your voice. Check in on your tone and your body language. Stay calm and regulated, and if not, call a break. We do not have, as adults, conflicts that are dealt with by raising our voice, screaming, name-calling, what we call implied violence, which is slamming things or throwing things. Absolutely never violence. If violence comes into a relationship, unfortunately, it just ended and you exit, right? Um, we're not invalidating and putting each other down, right? We're not being harsh. We're not rejecting attempts at repair. Relationships mean I'm open to doing the repair. And if not, you got to work on that openness. That is an inherent commitment you make. If conflict happens and one of us attempts to repair, we are open to that, right? We don't reject that. Listening to them with curiosity and care. These are the bare minimum. Bare minimum. We should be able to do five to one. If not, we had a bad hour. We have to build in positive on the next hour. But we don't drag it on. We don't carry it over. We don't live in resentment. We call it out. We work on it. We ameliorate it. We decrease it, right? And hopefully we keep growing and growing and it gets easier and it gets better as time goes on. Because I'll keep trying to remind you all at this point. We unfortunately tend to determine whether or not a relationship was successful or good based on whether or not it lasted. Not not all relationships are meant to last long-term. Really great, beautiful, powerful ones sometimes are short-term. The health or success of a relationship is determined by how good of a partner were you? How healthy was this relationship? Might have only lasted a month, but it was very successful if it was healthy. Not, you know, no relationships are forever. Not friendships, not even between family members. That's just kind of inherently part of that contract, right? But I think that's just an important part of people doing therapy on themselves is really saying, what are the things I need to work on? We start with ourselves first always before we're judging our partner. And, and even if it's more profoundly on them, we still do our part because we're part of a system. We're part of creating what they're responding to and whatnot. And so we first start by saying, what do I need to work on? What are the traits of myself that I'm not proud of that I need to address? And you do that. And once you've been doing that, you're gonna naturally see some growth and some change, right? But you have to be willing to step in and do that. It's very easy to point the finger and blame others. And that's why I often label these topics as start by assessing yourself first right? We don't just start pointing the finger because we have growth and relationships are a mirror being held up, showing us where our work is. And healthy people are like, game on, show me what I need to do and be better about. Singledom isn't the easiest, but it's harder to be in relationships. That's when, again, all of our stuff gets triggered and brought up. A lot of our wounds are relational, but they can be healed in relationships. We have to be willing to use them as such, see them as such, right? We don't always do that, but that's what I want for everyone. And that's how I know someone's working on themselves is if you say, what are you working on? They can tell you. 
They can say this, that, and the other thing. Otherwise, they're just moving through the world, enacting the same oppression, violence, and conflict on themselves and others, right? So ask yourself that. What are you working on? Oh, nothing? All right, well, that's a problem. I can tell you at all times what I'm working on because I'm constantly self-assessing. I'm constantly using my relationships, all the different ones I'm in, to learn about myself. What does this say about me, right? What am I putting on someone else that's actually my responsibility or my work? You kind of move through the world with what we call an observing ego, always tracking your relational health and who you are as a partner. It's important stuff. But um, later in the show, we'll be talking about cheating, but also more importantly, deciding whether you should stay or you should go. And it really falls on both parties. So we're going to break that on down. And uh, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back. And uh, before we get to the DM, I want to just quickly check in on uh, what's going on with these masks. Do we need to wear them? Do we not need to wear them? So this is coming out of the New York Times. Uh, basically, they're saying use the two out of three rule to lower your risk for COVID. Make sure your activity meets two of the following three conditions. Two of the three, outdoors, distanced, and masked. So at least two of those, outdoor and distance, distance and masked, outdoors and masked, but outdoors plus distance equals no mask needed. Get it? Um, so yes, outdoors <laughs> plus no distance, you need a mask. Not outdoors <laughs> plus distanced <laughs> equals mask. <laughs> Not outdoors, but distanced equals mask. It's funky, I know. But the two out of three, I think, is the clearest part of it. Outdoors, distance, and masked. You pick two of those, and then you are, you are free and clear. <laughs> Although nothing's 100% effective. This is to reduce the risk, right? You know what I mean? Get vaccinated, still wear it, wash your hands, outdoors distance. You get the gist, the gist of that. All right, y'all. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Tonight's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris. My name is Christina. I have a younger brother named Thomas. We've been close our entire lives. But in the past few months, it seems as though he's gotten kind of distant. I was home recently for my mother's birthday, and I saw him for the first time in a while, and he seemed, again, really distant. I went into his room to talk with him, and I noticed that he had some female clothing in his room. I know already that my brother's gay, but I think maybe he's either starting to transition or starting to dress in female clothes. Either way, I am so, in all caps, supportive of whatever he chooses to do. I'm kind of hurt that he's pushing me away instead of trusting me. I figured I'd ask you, is there a good way to talk to him about this or do I just wait until he comes to me? Uh, okay, a few things in here. You keep saying he's distant, so I would zero in on that. That's, that's the most honest, obvious, clean, pure thing, right? Hey, I noticed that we're not as close as we used to be. I miss being close, is everything okay? Bam, there's the script. And then show him you want closeness by being close. Call often, text often, send memes, FaceTime, visit. You know what I mean? So that's that. I feel like it's two separate issues. And that might be all it is. There might be nothing else going on that you need to know or worry about. But if you feel distant, weigh in on that. Now, uh, seeing clothing in someone's room that appears to be female clothing implies absolutely nothing. That could be your mom's. It could be his best friend's. Who knows? So let's not jump to conclusions because you see female clothing in a gay man's room. That could be a little homophobic to assume gay people plus females clothing equals something. Um, or maybe it does, right? But that doesn't mean if, if there is something and he hasn't told you, 
don't make it about you because you're kind of doing that by saying, I'm upset that he's pushing me away and doesn't trust me. That might not be the case. But remember, when people are on a journey and they're getting confident and figuring out who they are, that is not the time when they would or should try to bring someone else into that because I can already tell that you have feelings about whatever he's doing, even though you're supportive. And this isn't the time for him to be worrying about how it impacts you or anyone else or their thoughts or feelings or even considering you at all. He's worrying about himself and he's on his own journey. I don't know how long that will take. And no, it's never appropriate or a good idea to force someone to disclose something because you feel the need to know because you're anxious. It's on their journey. It's on their, their time. They'll come to you if and when they decide to. And whether or not they tell you is based on how close you are and whether or not you're a safe person to go to. So again, focus on the fact that you just feel distant from him and work on that. And that enhanced closeness will let him know that maybe if he wants to, you are someone he can tell this to. And just continue to be a trans ally and a gay ally. And if and when he decides it's right or he wants you to know, he'll tell you. But I never advise people to pull them out, force them out, even with very young children. You should create a, a very um, gay, friendly environment for hetero kids and gay kids because you never know and it doesn't matter, right? And when and if someone's ready to tell something, they will as long as we've presented ourselves as someone who's close, someone who's comfortable, and as someone who's there for them. And that's the best you can do. So just focus more on the distance piece, you know what I mean? All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in our Love Line and G page in the DMs. And coming up next, we're going to talk about a very, very triggering, controversial topic, cheating. Yes. Cheating, cheating, cheating. Do we stay or do we go when we find out that maybe a partner's been not honest with us? So we're going to break that down and uh, it's going to be something where we all get to learn about ourselves on either end. The uh, person who's cheating and the quote unquote person on the receiving end. I don't know why I put that in quotes. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right. We are back and uh, talking about a really, really difficult topic. One that, as you're going to learn, is not simple. It's not easy. It's not black and white. Uh, it's about, you know, after someone cheats or an infidelity, should you stay or should you go? And I think I, I, I like the topic because I think a lot of people have a really problematic and um, really kind of naive perspective on this. But it brings up a lot. It's it's a big relational fear. If you ask people what are they afraid of, this becomes one of them. Some people, this is the center point around which they run their relationship, right? The anxiety of being cheated on and infidelity, and they try to control their partner and set wild limits and just run the, the relationship into the ground, essentially, with anxiety and jealousy and fear. Um, we have these like common notions of once a cheater, always a cheater, which that's not the case for anything. Once a something, always a something is not true, right? I'm a therapist. The entire field of therapy is rooted with the idea that people change and grow, and they do. Um, but it's interesting when this topic comes up. It sparks fear in the heart of many. Uh, but as we've learned with uh, open relationships and polyamory, jealousy is very much a socialized emotion. It's really, mu it's very much born out of how we're raised, and we see people with one option only, and relation this one relationship being forever. Um, we're raised with the idea that relationships are about ownership, that you this person becomes like a possession, and uh, we see our happiness is rooted in them. So yeah, I understand the anxiety around someone quote unquote cheating, right? which is people feel as though they've been injured, even though cheating is rarely ever about the partner. It has, it's so distinct from that. Um, and rarely is it truly interrogated. Because in the, in the work of working with individuals where someone has cheated, at some point the work is about what have both individuals done to help create situations or a relationship 
in which one person was able, willing to harm or hurt the relationship and the other, right? Like we have to look at all, all parts. We have to really dig deep. But um, there's a lot of problematic ideas and notions out there. Also, just the general de uh, definition. Everyone has a different definition of what infidelity or cheating is, right? We've talked on the show about emotional cheating, which I don't stand behind that as being a thing. I think it's a shaming and pathologizing of deep intimacy with others, as long as it's boundaried and all parties are looked out for. Um, but it's an interesting concept and, and, it, and it makes many afraid. I know, uh, personal story, I, uh, I'm in a relationship with someone and um, we are we are in a monogamous relationship right now. And I say right now because I never know what we will decide we want in our relationship as things ebb and flow. I am someone who likes monogamish. Um, I think that there is reasons to engage with others, whether together or separate. And I'm just kind of open to being where we are. No one can promise anything at the door, even marriage, right? Even in my first book, Sex Outside the Lines, I talk about how no one could ever say, I, I promise to be with you forever. You can't. You, no one knows where they're going to be. The most honest thing is I'm, I'm with you now. And if and when that changes, I'll let you know. No one should be forced or stay in something that's no longer healthy for them, right? So that's part of that, the whole discussion. I'll stay in this marriage as long as we both create something that's healthy and something we should be in. And if both of us somehow fail at that and aren't willing to do the work, then understandably we would leave and should, right? Um, and I've shared before on the show how some people don't ever talk about what their definition of monogamy is or cheating. They just somehow think we're all on the same page. Well, if you're on different pages and have different definitions, then no one can be wrong if someone's living from their definition. So please talk about it. But the reason why I brought up the relationship I'm in, <laughs> I was like, wait, what was my point? Was um, we live in two different countries, which is a whole nother segment. And uh, I've talked a little bit about it. But uh, my, my loved one was at a party and a friend of theirs who I've never met got on the phone and within a couple seconds brought up the topic of are you, I don't remember what the quote was, but something like, are you, are you being faithful or are you being shady or something like that? And it I'm telling you, it took my breath away for a second because in my world and in my relationship, that isn't even a possibility because if I do want to have sex with someone else, I'll tell my partner. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm feeling the desire to have sex with someone else, or I'm feeling the desire to have sex with this specific person that's come into my life. Let's talk about it. What would that mean? What would you be comfortable with? What would you not be comfortable with? I don't, I'm an adult. I don't need to lie to my partner ever. And I want all people to be in healthy adult relationships where no one ever needs to lie or mislead. You'll tell them what you want or what you're thinking or feeling. It'll be talked about. Doesn't mean you'll get what you want, but no one's going to like get all elementary and fall apart that it's brought up that maybe something isn't working. And I mean with or within the topic of sex and openness and all that. Be in relationships with other healthy adults where you can talk about things such as I might want to change my career. Maybe I'm going to be making less money and you'll have to be taking the brunt of that. Or maybe I want to move to a different, like we should be able to talk about everything. So it was stunning that that was brought up as though I would possibly lie to get a need met because this person who asked the question isn't familiar with adult, healthy adult relationships where they talk about things. And me and my loved one had a, a good laugh about it because I was like, I, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not, our relationship doesn't think in those terms. Like, we'll talk about it and it is what it is. I don't live and die by whether or not someone wants to have sex with other people. And if it turned out that they were, 
making a bad decision and something happened, we would deal with it afterwards. You know, I want to create the kind of relationship where I would go to them or they'd come to me saying, hey, listen, I'm kind of bummed out. Something happened at this party I was at last night and I wound up making out with someone or having sex with someone. I'm, I'm, you know, this is how I feel about that. How do you feel about it? And we would calmly talk about it. Why? Because it's something that can calmly be talked about. Things happen. And that shouldn't be especially heinous. Gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're gonna keep talking about cheating. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about cheating and infidelity and whether you should stay or you should go. And I will get to uh, some points to think about and consider, but I'm just talking broad strokes right now about how some relationships never actually talk about what they define as cheating and we all live from our definition. And so if you haven't talked it out and you all haven't agreed, cause you have to agree, you can't tell someone adults don't get to tell someone else about their behavior, right? Adults can set boundaries about what they will do or will not do, but we don't get to tell someone else what to do. We have to have an agreement, but if you don't have an agreement, well then they can do what falls within their definition and their integrity. So talk it out. But I also think we culturally need to chill out a little bit. I think we make far too big of a deal about someone doing something that makes us uncomfortable, even if it's under the sexuality label. First question should be, have I helped create the kind of relationship where we can talk about these things before they happen? Have I created the kind of relationship where we can talk about them if after they happen? Things happen, right? 50% to 70% of relationships that are in existence right now all have someone who's cheated or is cheating. It is a norm because monogamy is difficult. Trust me, I'm not saying cheating's okay. Never said that. Don't say that I said that. It's a horrible thing to do to someone if you've, if you've decided monogamy. It's a horrible solution to a bigger problem that neither one of you, two adults, are willing to talk about and you need to grow up and learn how to talk about it. But we need to chill a little bit. People sometimes say it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Well, my God, then you've had a really charmed life. If your partner accidentally or even intentionally had sex with someone else, if that's the worst thing that's happened in your life, you're doing pretty good. We need to chill a little bit. Again, I'm giving permission to no one for harming someone else, but we need to just be able to calm down and say, what was that about? That should be the first question. That was hurtful to hear. What was that about? But please build the kind of relationship where they can come and tell you. If they're needing to do anything, anything at all, if they're needing to do anything, that means they need to lie or withhold it from you. Some of that is possibly about how safe you are for them to go to to talk about difficult things. I'm sorry, that's in there. It's not always 100% just that they're shady. That's, that's a really primitive way to get out of having to do the important adult work of what was this about? What did you need? What need were you trying to get met, right? Because that's the adult work is let's talk about why. And I was telling a story about someone asking me if I've been faithful in my relationship. And I was saying, I don't even think in those terms. I do what I want to do and I talk to my partner about it before I do it. And if a mistake were to happen, I would bring that up and we'd lovingly talk that out as well. That's what we need to be able to do. But please talk about what you think cheating is, but create the kind of relationship where you can talk it through. It's not as black and white. It is a nuanced, complex thing. Um, so here's the question. When this occurs, what should you do? Well, the first thing is you should do nothing. <laughs> the first thing is you should both calmly sit down and talk about why that is, what it means, how you feel. And it's that conversation that actually tells each partner, partner what should be done next. Because even the person who may be cheated gets to decide whether or not they want to continue on with this relationship. And part of their decision making is based on how you deal with this incident that, that's occurred and vice versa. You, the person who might've been cheated on, has to decide if you want to move forward based on how you see your partner engaging around this topic. 
And the couples I work with that stick around through cheating or infidelity become stronger, they become better, they become more honest, they become more intimate, they become more transparent, and they're living more in truth. Because monogamy's hard. It is. And we're gonna find ways to slip up. It is not easy. And we need to allow and afford some of that. Most relationships though, in theory, I hope, are worth saving. Because if it's that painful, then I want to believe that that's a sign of how much this relationship meant to you. And I want that to be communicated. Again, cheating is a solution to something. If you're thinking of cheating, ask yourself what it is you're trying to accomplish, create, and instead deal with the actual issue. Is it that I don't like the sex life I have with my partner? Great. Sit down and tell them. Is it that I want to have sex with other people? Great, sit down and tell them. But on the receiving end, you need to be able to be told things like this. Because if you're not safe to discuss difficult things, they will not come to you. To the cheater again, is it that you're no longer in love with your partner? Great, leave them. But cheating is a way to just harm. It is not a solution. Go to the actual problem. And if it is that you can't talk to your partner about things you need to talk to them about, start there. Work on creating the kind of relationship that can tolerate you telling them what you need to tell them. Maybe get into some couples therapy, but deal with the actual problem. Because the problem is, again, you want to leave, but you're afraid to. You want a different kind of sex. You want sex with others. You're not in love anymore. You don't feel important. You don't feel desirable. Deal with that first. And again, if you can't go right into dealing with that, work on changing your marriage so that it can tolerate honest, real kinds of conversations so that this doesn't have to happen again. Because if you don't deal with the actual problem and you just keep dealing with the, the uh, symptoms such as cheating, nothing changes or is made better. And we have to let go and lighten up a little bit, seriously. This isn't the worst thing that should have ever happened to you. People lie all the time. How many more times will your partner be dishonest to you? I don't know, 725 more times in varying degrees because people are people. And yes, being a good partner, even if you're the one that's the victim of this, is part of understanding what was going on for your partner as to why they chose to do this. Otherwise, you're not a good partner, right? So you might've been the one that was most victimized, but you have a part in this. And at some point, you gotta talk about what was this about? So you can learn about yourself. So you can change what needs to be changed, right? Again, cheating's horrible. Don't do it. Deal with the actual issue. But if it happens, be an adult, sit down and talk it through because oftentimes there is something to salvage and it is worth salvaging. So let's talk about some of the perspectives, right? Um, it's painful. It brings up issues of the past. If you've been cheated on before, if you've never felt important before. So I get that. It's, it's bigger for all of us. We're all doing the best we can. And again, the caveat is, this is within the confines of being with a healthy person. This is within the confines of being with someone that's worthy of trust. And if not, you have a bigger problem, you should just end it altogether. If this person isn't even healthy, if this is just one of a string of other things, time to go. But if this is someone you love, someone you care about, someone who is a good person, then we do the work. So what are the things to consider? First off, do you actually like each other? Because sometimes these things bring that up. You know what? I really don't like them. They really don't like me. Great. Let's call quits and balance. Let's go find something else. Because relationships aren't things we need to be in. Even a marriage of 10 or 20 or 30 years, if it's not working anymore, it's time to go. We don't need to be in them. There's no valor in sticking around for the sake of sticking around. And the success of a relationship is not the, base of time, the, base, the amount of time it lasts. It's about how healthy and loving were the people within it. That's what success is, right? All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the things to consider when you have been cheated on or you've been the cheater and you're deciding whether or not you should stay. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back. And we're talking about cheating and whether you should go or whether you should stay and things to think about. Look, it's not easy. But first off, do you enjoy each other? Might answer it and solve it all right there. Second, do you trust them? 
But a bigger question is, are they worthy of trust, right? Because you might say, no, I don't trust them because of this situation or something else, but are they worthy of trust? Because if you do think they're still a trustworthy person, then you stick around because if you don't have trust, you got nothing, period, end of story. That's why I would say this is, all of my topics are within a healthy relationship to some extent. Um, so of course, infidelity and cheating can call that into question, but you have to pan out and say, is this a good person who's done something bad? Good people do bad things. Good people hurt people. We all will hurt people. We've all lied. We've all manipulated. We all have harmed. We've all cheated on some level. Maybe not to the extreme of breaking monogamy, but we've all been there. We all have. And if you haven't, God bless you. You should be a saint. Um, but that's the question. Do we like each other? Do we generally trust each other? Do you share core values and beliefs? Do you have the same ethics? Because some people don't have any. Or they have really problematic ones, ones that are, I don't know, sexist, outdated, rigid, or ones that allow them to do what they want. They think they're entitled to cheating because you'll hear that. Well, they weren't giving me what I needed. Well, there's work that's done in that or you leave, but you don't just stay and hurt each other. Hear me say that. The solution is never we're just going to stick around and make each other miserable. And if you're making each other miserable, work on changing that or please leave and end it. There's Again, there's nothing good in that. Um do you, do you, how are you guys at resolving conflict? Because how you manage this matters. Again, even the cheater gets to decide based on how this is managed, whether or not they want to stay. Like, wow, look at what happens when I hurt to let my partner down. I know what I did wasn't okay. I'm going to take accountability. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to do work to be better. But what I'm seeing is still unacceptable because I don't care what someone's done to you. If it's someone who you love and you want a relationship with, you do do still need to have care and compassion for them. I don't agree with the therapies that somehow say the one person's in the doghouse and has somehow magically lost all rights. No, you still have a right. You still get to demand that you're spoken to appropriately. You still get to have boundaries. You can't just be kicked out of your own home. You can say, I also own this home. I'm going to be staying, but let's lovingly work through this. Um, do you respect each other? You know, I know that this might have caused a decrease or some loss in respect, but we're talking in general. Do you generally respect each other? Do you still enjoy sex with each other? Because a lot of this might be sex-based. Sometimes cheating is about sex, 100%, sometimes. Sometimes it's a bit, again about not being in love with your partner. Sometimes it's about you have no integrity and you don't mind harming people to get your needs met. That's a hot mess, be better, learn from that, right? Does your partner, partner support your growth mentally? I mean, all these things matter. Has this happened before? Like, who is this person? And that's why it's hard. There's no, there's no black and white three steps I can give someone to decide whether they should stay or they should go because we don't know what's to come next. And that's why how we work through this matters. And again, remember, what you want to see happen with the cheater is they take a, sp a responsibility and they take accountability. And anything short of that means they're not ready or they're not willing to do the work. And so that should be the bare minimum where they say, yes, I've done this, and you believe that they are truly sorry for having done it, and they share with you what they're willing to do to be better, make sure it doesn't happen again. And then it's your job to do the same thing. You do need to say, if you had a role in creating a relationship that was problematic or whatever the issues are, like if they say to you, I don't feel cared for by you, and this was the worst way to go about getting my needs met is by cheating on you, but I don't feel cared for, then yes, it is your moment when they're done their process to step in saying, and I will own that I'm not responsible for you cheating, but I will own that I'm responsible for creating a situation or a marriage where you don't feel cared for because you should feel cared for. And I want the cheater to demand that we move forward working on us both feeling cared for, right? 
right? A lot emerges out of this and you all have a right to all of this. And that's why adults work through and they learn from this. And so everyone has a role in stepping into what their work is gonna be and moving forward. It's not as black and white as you harmed me, you're all bad, I'm all good, and I'm just gonna sit here and weaponize what happened and use it against you. Then, then you should leave. They should leave and you should leave. We're trying to be better, right? Like we're, moving, we're in a new year. We're trying to be so much better than we have been in the past. So again, cheating's a horrible solution to whatever the problem is. Deal with the actual problem. Be a better human than that. If you're cheated on, give your partner who you claim to love and care for a chance to take accountability and explain what that might've been about. It's not about excuses, it's about clarity, understanding. And then you need to see if there was some part in this, not in them cheating, but in creating situations that weren't good for them or right for them or what they wanted, and you step into being a part of that solution. That's what I wanna hear from all parties in my office. Because both people are looking at the other to see is this something I wanna do, even though it might've been on the shoulders of one person, right? Because everyone gets to be in a relationship where their needs are met and they feel cared for. Again, cheating's horrible. If you're someone who doesn't want monogamy or fails at it, you might not be built for monogamy. It's okay to also acknowledge that. Not everyone is built for monogamy. Not everyone has a relational orientation that should have monogamy. It's okay if you're poly. Poly is a relational orientation. So is an open style. If that's what you want, ask for that. Ask for that for the door. Start asking for that if that's what you realize five years into your marriage. I want poly. I want something open. You're allowed to ask for that. You're allowed to change your mind. But at least be honest about it and forward about it so your partner can decide what's right for them. You don't just do it behind their back. That's violent and that's unkind and that's not how those things should go, okay? So we're being a little bit better about this, but we all got some work to do. We'll keep talking about it, but uh, stick around. Coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs, so if you got a DM for us, drop it on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. Alrighty, we're back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Tonight's DM is, hey Dr. Chris, I've been talking to this guy on Tinder for about three months. Oh, first off, uh, this is written from someone who is a female. Because if, if I don't call that out, it's going to get a little confusing and clunky. So I had to reread it because I got a little confused myself. So the person who sent this is female. Hey Dr. Chris, I've been talking to this guy on Tinder for about three months and he seems really great. I told my best friend about him, and he said that he matched with him on Grinder once. For those that aren't aware, Grinder is uh, traditionally an app for uh, men seeking men and other things, other individuals and other things, friends, connections, networks, but whatever. Nonetheless, which the writer of this question says, it doesn't matter to me how he identifies or if he even identifies to anything at all. But my question is, how long is an okay time to wait for that discussion? I know we're super early into this, but for example, in my mind, if he doesn't tell me that he's into guys as well after five months, then I'd feel like he's hiding it. Is that reasonable? Thanks. Uh, okay, so I like that you believe that whether or not he identifies or how he identifies is not an issue because your next question kind of contradicts that a little bit. Um, how long is an okay time to wait for that discussion? Okay, so... When we find out information that should have no shame attached to it, like, oh, he might also like men, I don't know, my friend saw him on Grindr, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with bringing that up. Like, hey, my, my friend says they've seen you before on Grindr. <laughs> I know that's not smooth, I know that's not easy, but, but it is what it is, you know, people, and here's the thing, so look, apps like Grindr are for a multitude of things. Maybe he's a sex worker. 
hundred percent. Maybe he's exploring the possibility of being with someone else. Maybe he just enjoys the talk. Maybe he's trying to network and socialize and make some gay male friends. I don't know, but let's not make assumptions. Maybe your friend was wrong. Maybe your friend was absolutely wrong and that wasn't him. They just looked like someone else. Maybe it was someone using this guy's picture and pretending to be him and it wasn't. Like, I don't know, so let's not jump to conclusions. But like, you bring it up when you feel like there's a casual space to bring it up, you know what I mean? I don't know if there's really a perfect time. And again, I don't like the idea of if they don't, if this person doesn't bring it up on them on their own, that they're hiding it. I mean, I don't know. You seem really safe, like he could share such things with you. Maybe he's on there at that time and was exploring the poss- was exploring sex with men and upon doing so realized it's not something I'm interested in and has never done it again and identifies as hetero and there's nothing to even disclose. And so they're not hiding anything. Or maybe they went on and did or did not have sex with men and are still considering the possibility of being bi, pan, sexually fluid, or even gay and isn't comfortable yet with that and still figuring it out. And yet again, still is nothing then to disclose to you right? They don't know. It's an ongoing journey. I don't know. Or maybe this person was on there and they were seeking sex with men and they do understand and identify or see themselves as bisexual or pan or sexually fluid or whatever. And maybe just doesn't feel like leading with that. And you have to earn the right to be told that because in our culture, there's a lot of people that are biphobic and assume that someone who's bi is actually gay and afraid to admit it. And they've, they've dealt with a lot of biphobia and they're burnt out on it and uh, doesn't feel like stepping into that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, And maybe never does bring it up. And that's okay because there's nothing to bring up unless this person feels like it's important and valid. And you shouldn't care and you don't. And so what's, what's, what is it even, what do you even need to know? Why do you need to be known? Or why do you need to know that? To deeper know this person? Yeah, I get that and respect that. I like that. I just want to know this person to all their depths. But it's on them to feel comfortable, interested, and willing to bring that up. You know what I mean? If they don't, it doesn't mean they're hiding it. Might mean you've said or done some things that imply it's not safe. Or again, they're still figuring it out, or it meant nothing, or it wasn't them, or they don't want to deal with biphobia. We have, you know, we live in a really problematic world, which makes a lot of people feel very protective of these vulnerable parts of themselves, right? And again, we don't even know if there's a something. It's theoretical. So I would say you like this person, you're enjoying where it's going. Focus on that. Focus on being a good partner. Focus on being a good girlfriend. Focus on being kind. Focus on having a positive impact on this person's life, and worry about that and go live your life with them. You know what I mean? Go fall in love and have babies and get married and do all the things that, you know, heterosexuality demands. Okay. Uh, if you got a DM for us, drop in our Loveline AG page in the DMs. We're here for you. And uh, check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it, and they're all there. You can binge, post, share, take me on hikes with you. And uh, yeah, this weekend, come on, focus on some self-care, tons of rest, and as much joy and pleasure as possible. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night.